welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode number 134 for Saturday the 5th of January, 2019 and this is my first opportunity to wish you a very happy new year. It being 2019 in this episode of the diary I'm going to look at my overview of 2019 in terms of my aims. Now before I do that I just want to let you know where we're up to in terms of my Spanish holiday. Uh, Tonight is the Festival of the Kings in Spain and this is a real treat, actually. I've been really looking forward to this. We wanted to stay out long enough to catch the Festival of the Kings. It's bigger than Christmas and New Year in Spain. And basically, it's a huge procession that's going to go around Benidorm uh, with kings, obviously. Uh, and the kings kind of throw sweets out. Now, when we first went to see this, it was it must be eight years ago or something now, where the kids, the kids were tiny. And of course, this was a great excitement when the kids were throwing sweets out. Now, if if they rush for the sweets like they did eight years ago, uh, there'll be some co- serious collisions, I think. But I don't think they will do that now. I think they're too big and too edgy to go rushing for sweets now. But it is a tremendous procession. The thing I remember about it is, um, it's, it's bizarre, isn't it? They were um, herding geese around Benidorm. There's loads of geese come around as part of this procession. But anyhow, that that's just a bit of fun. And the, and the geese generally do seem to behave themselves. Um, but it's it's quite a treat. So we're really looking forward to that in Spain tonight. And I, I've still got um, almost a week left in Spain. I fly back on Friday. Um, so we've kind of had Christmas. We've had New Year. We'll do the Festival of the Kings tonight. And then we're, we've still got a few you know trips out to the outskirts of, of Benidorm left still lots of fun to be had but I'll be flying back on Friday and then I'll have to kind of readjust to the grey skies of the UK and get my butt in this seat and start doing some work and that's really what I'm talking to you about today. So in in next week's diary you'll be hearing my specific quarter one goals for 2019 but in this diary it's my overview for the year what I want to achieve over 2019 and the interesting thing about this year is in actual fact although I'm telling you it's my 2019 aims I actually have a slightly wider window because I've got a significant birthday coming up in 2020 so in March 2020 I will be 55 and I know it's not a significant birthday like your 50th or 60th or 70th but it you know you kind of round things up in fives don't you so it's a good target birthday. The other thing about 2020, if you listen to Joanna Penn, she talks about monitoring your progress in terms of Olympics. And there's an Olympics, uh, as far as I, I've got on my whiteboard, the Olympics will start the 24th of July 2020. So it, it's one of Joanna Penn's Olympian years when you look at the last Olympics year and you see how far you've come hopefully fingers crossed in in that sort of four-year intervening period so I'm talking to you about 2019 but in actual fact my goal setting for this year is to end of March 2020 when I will be 55 and we're getting into an interesting zone now because for instance at 55 I'm not going to but I can draw start to draw my BBC pension at 55. Um, you know, that kind of kicks in these options. Now, obviously, it's a reduced pension at 55 and you get the full pension at 60. So I don't want to be drawing a, a reduced pension. Um, but 
you know, in theory, we're kind of in that zone where people start sending you letters saying, are you drawing your pension this year? Um, which is interesting. Now, my aim, as you have probably inferred from listening to these diaries, is that I kind of want financial freedom to, to travel the world and to just sort of write and, and earn money. And that's great. And that's what I'm kind of aiming for. And I, you know, preferably, I'd like to get there before 60 if we can. And, and, and so, you know, really, when the last of the kids is is 18 and sort of goes off to university, that's the point. That's probably, hmm, where are we? I'm just trying to think. It's probably two years. That's maybe two years. It's before sort of reaching the age of 60. So it would be nice if in that intervening period, I could create the the income that I need to, to go zipping off with my wife. And of, of course, that means I need to replace her income and my income uh, with that. And I need to be able to do it uh, in a reliable way, not a haphazard way. Um, but it is an interesting birthday when you get to 55. It's interesting times, I think. So, you know, whereas you might be in your 20s or 30s and your concerns are very different, at 55, this R word, this retirement word is coming. Now, I have no intention of sort of retiring from work. You know, retirement for me is not sitting in an armchair reading a paper. Not that any papers will exist probably by the time I reach retirement age. Uh, but for retirement for me is is about freedom. And you could be retired at any age of your life. Um, it means not having to go into a day job to me. That's what that's what it means. Now, I have absolutely no intention of, of stopping doing what I'm doing because I just love it so much. Um, nor do I want to just kind of park up my vehicle and say, there you go, that's it, I'm retired now. But absolutely no intention of doing that. I, you know, desperately need to keep my brain active and my life active. But to me, it, it, freedom is actually more important than retirement to me. It's all about freedom. It's always been about freedom. Um, the ability to just, you know, go traveling when you want to, to stay as long as you want to, to not have be back for any reason because you've got a job or anything like that. So this, my big, big goal has always been freedom and autonomy. And I've kind of partially got it, to be fair. Um, you know, I have a lot of freedom um, and, and flexibility in my life. So I've partially got it, but we're not quite there yet. And that's what I'm working on with the books. But this is the great joy, I think, of writing and doing stuff on the internet that actually I can be doing it for a very long time. It's not like a, a physical work. It's not like I have to go out with a shovel and dig holes in the road or anything like that. You know, that's physical, hard work. Um, and the great thing about working on the internet online is that so long as you can type and actually, you know, with dragon dictation, so long as you can speak, so long as you can do one of those two things, um, you know, you can do something productive um, online to keep your brain alive, which is fab, isn't it? That's what I kind of want to do. So, that's where we're up to with that. Um, I, 2020 March is what I'm aiming for, really. That's my next targets. So with that said, I've got three big goals in between now and March 2020. And of course, these are going to completely dominate 2019. Big goal number one is to have 20 books written and published by the end of March 2020. So at the moment, I've got, even I can't remember how many books I've got. It's 15, isn't it? I've got 14 published and sort of one that I'm editing and, and hasn't been published yet. So I'm up to 15 books and I'd like to have that 20 done by my 55th birthday. Now it's an arbitrary figure. No one dies if I don't hit 20 books, but I like round numbers, as you can tell. And also we've got this concept from the 20 books to 50K 
a group Facebook group that if you've got 20 books, it's enough to make a 50k income on and 50k income would be fine for me at this, this stage in my life. So, um, it, it seems like a reasonable target to achieve. Now, I don't think certainly at the moment, if I had 20 books, I wouldn't be earning 50k. Uh, no, we, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be there yet. Um, but, but I want to hit that 20 book target. That feels like a good target to be hitting in 2020. It's also a reasonable target because I've got, I tend to write a book a quarter in the year and there are five quarters in between now and end of March 2020, which means a book a quarter, that's 20 books. So it's a reasonable goal. Now, the other thing, again, you know, I describe myself as a gentleman of a certain age and depending on how you, old you are when you're listening to this, you know, if you're my kind of age, I'm sure these will be things that preoccupy you. If you're in your 20s and 30s, these are things that you'll think will never hit you. But you know, I'm 50, I'm coming up to, what am I, 50, I can't remember what age I am, my age am I, 53, I'm 53 as I record this. And, um, you know, I, I want to be fit and healthy um, as I go into these kind of, you know, to 60 to 70, I need to be thinking about health and weight and things like that. And that's why you've heard me talking about doing exercise. I am pleased that I've managed to keep the exercise up in a fairly regular way over the past year. But now I'm going to tie this down. So um, I have a kind of happy weight. I'm sure we all have a happy weight. And this is the weight, um, forget BMIs and things like that. I think we have a weight at which we kind of know is the right weight for us. I, I have, my weight is 10 and a half stone. When I'm 10 and a half stone, uh, you know, my t-shirts go down rather than slightly outwards with an outwards curvature. Uh, they hang much better on me. You know, you feel more confident in your clothes. I kind of feel like I'm the right weight. So 10 and a half stone has always been my weight. And I'm over that at the moment. And I want to bring that down to 10. I want to bring my weight down to 10 and a half stone by the time I'm 55. Um, so that involves diet and exercise. Now I might get it down before then, but my kind of, you know, I want to step on the scales at the age of 55 and my weight needs to be 10 and a half stone. And it just gives me that kind of, you know, line in the distance, that point to aim for. And I'm everything, if everything is pointing towards that target, then I'm pretty sure I'm going to hit it. Now I, I had that target. I'm trying to remember when I did it. It might have been, I don't think it was when I was 50. It might have been when I was 50, but I, I, I hit that target and I got a picture of myself on the scales. Um, you know, because I was adamant that I was going to hit that target. The reason I like to bring things down to 10.5 stone and whatever age you are, you'll know this is that sometimes, uh, life overtakes us. Um, so you might be busy. You might have a lot on doing a lot of comfort eating or you might be doing a lot of, uh, you know, being away from home a lot. So you're eating in hotels, that sort of thing. And sometimes things like weight just ru- runs away from you. It just runs away from you sometimes. And then you step at the scales and you think, hmm, I don't really want to be that weight anymore. And so this is my way because I haven't really watched my weight closely for some time. What you, what you focus on is where you get your results. And, and so I'm going to focus on this and get that weight down to 10 and a half stone by, um, 2020. Um, and also with that in mind, my big goal, my other big goal is to run a five kilometer park run below 30 minutes before that day. Now I actually think, I think I'll achieve that before, well before that day, but that's my, my latest kind of day. I've been struggling with these park runs in Carlisle and that there's quite a lot of uphill in them. So, I think if it was on the flat, I don't think that would be a problem, but I am, I'm really struggling with this one. Um, and so I, I kind of need to, to, to master this course and I'm aiming to get for sub 30 minutes. So, uh, those are my big goals, 20 books, a sub 30 minute park run and my weight down to 10 and a half stone. 
So you'll notice that two of those actually are personal and one of those is, is business related. So how's that going to translate into, into kind of what I do? So I told you before we went to Spain that my wife's working pattern has changed in 2019. So when we're back from Spain, she's going to be working um, different days. And this, so she's got her, she kind of has her core days, which she's worked for years since the kids were young. That's a kind of permanent contract. And then this extra work she's taken on as an extra contract and it, it lasts for a year. But actually it's pretty handy for me because the way it means that her time works very good for me. It means that um, she's still working part time and she tends to be out the house about sort of four hours. And that's, I could get my 5,000 words done in that time. So I, I find her being at work and kind of leaving the house at 10 and being back at, at um, what is it, two. I could get my writing done in that time if I super focus. So it really helps me to get that writing done. But with my wife now changing her pattern, it means that I could write potentially on Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays. Now, between now and the end of March, I'm aiming to up the number of park runs I do to try and hit that big goal. Uh, so I want to try and do now two park runs per month. I'm not, I'm never going to do one weekly because that's like a rod for your own back. But if I've got two per month, I got maneuverability in there. You know, if I'm ill or, you know, I sprain something or whatever, I think that's something I can achieve. So basically six park runs per quarter. And of course, by doing the park runs, that then feeds into that weight goal that I've got as well. So, so basically, um, in an alternating situation, I could, I could potentially write four days a week, three days a week, four days a week, three days a week. Now, th- I've never written that intensively before. And let me tell you, that makes me, makes me nervous. Of course it does, because I'm, I'm trying something different. And you know that I write 5,000 words in a session. So what I'm talking about here is writing 20,000 words in a week over four days. Now, I don't know whether I could do that. I don't know whether my kind of creative juices can keep up with that rate, but that is what I'm going to aspire to do. I'm going to try it. Um, now, you know, if I, if, if it's just something I can't do, then I'll have to slip the plan, but I'm going to enter 2019 saying that, and I might, this might not be for the year, but for the first, qu- you know, quarter, this is what I want to do. I want to try and write all of those days that my wife is working. Now, I've planned it all out. If I can keep that up, that rate up, and there, are, you know, there's breaks in there. It's not, it's not, it's not all the time. So, for instance, my wife changes that pattern. She's still part-time term time with the main contract, so she's off on the Thursday and Friday of half term. So we'll probably go off and and have a bit of fun on that day. I won't write on those days. So there there are buffer breaks built into that. But if I if I write on every one of those days that is available and get five thousand words done. Between getting back from Spain and my 54th birthday at the, towards the end of March, I can write three 50,000 word books in that time. Okay. With my writing pace, with the writing pace that I've established over two to three years now, my 5,000 words a day. Now, the only question is, is, you know, can I, can I keep up with the kind of creative pace of that? Or am I going to need thinking time? Now, so I'm going to try it. And I might fail miserably. And if I do, you'll hear it on the diary. But that's going to be my aspiration. Now, you'll know from previous diaries before we went out to Spain that I want to do rapid release. If I do, if I work on that basis, 
I can have three books ready and I could release the first one uh, about, I think I worked out it was March the 21st. March 21st would be the release date for that. And then I can rapid release. And then if that pace of writing is working for me, I could actually, in this scenario, you know, all year, release a book per month throughout this year. Still doing my day job, but with my wife's reorganized time. Now, you know, I'm jittery about that. The question is, and I'm not, I, I don't think I'll commit to this until we're back from Spain. I think, you know, the first kind of diary that I record when I get back from Spain, I'll, I think I'll be confirming this with you. I, I so I, I can, those rapid release books can either be three times 50k military sci-fi books. And I'm very minded to do that and rapid release them in March, or they might be thrillers. But with the thrillers, because I've got so many lies edited and I've got uh, four standalones, which I've done nothing with in marketing terms. I've just sat there. They've sold a few copies, but I've done nothing really with. Plus, I've got Don't Tell Meg. I actually have eight thrillers that I could rapid release. I could release so many lies to get the ball rolling, then rapid re-release my four standalone thrillers with new covers and new titles on them. So just kind of remarket them. And then if that was working well for me in those five books, I'd know probably by books three to four, I could take Don't Tell Meg off and, and repackage that if I needed to. So I, I've kind of got eight books to play with already with thrillers. And I'm just thinking, well, is there any point writing another three or four thrillers next year? Why don't I try a different genre? One which I'm kind of really interested in uh, and, and one which is probably a bit hungrier for books than, than thrillers is why don't I try that instead because I do write sci-fi uh, obviously you know military sci-fi sci-fi um, and, and I have touched on military sci-fi so the secret bunker three moves very much into very much into military sci-fi territory although um, you know that's not what drives the story it was the story it was story first and military sci-fi in that context was coincidental, whereas in this case, I would be writing entirely to market, entirely to tropes of military sci-fi. So I think it's probably going to be military sci-fi. I'm pretty sure about that, but I'll confirm it in the first diary that I uh, record when I get back from Spain. I don't think it's going to be thrillers, and I think I'll probably, um, you know, I'll commit to that in Spain. I'll, I'll just do the final thinking about that. And 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 then I, I potentially I've got two rapid release projects. I've then got the thrillers rapid release. They will if I rapid release the thrillers, it will be later in the year. Um, I just I'm just keen to do something sooner rather than later, which is why I'm keen on maybe looking at this faster writing in the first three months of the year in this rapid release in a new genre. So you know I, I'm going to bring this down. These these are the thoughts that are floating around. I, when I was just thinking about the rapid release with the thrillers, I thought, you know, I've got enough thrillers to rapid release with. I don't need to write new thrillers. Um, and I'd rather kind of get what I've already written working first before I add new thrillers to that. So I will write more thrillers, but I'm just thinking, do you know what? I think it makes more sense in this context maybe to try some military sci-fi and write it under my Paul Teague sci-fi name so um you know different from the broader i i've done apocalyptic dystopian really is what the secret bunker phase six and the grid is whereas this is so it's still sci-fi it's just a different sort of focus genre of sci-fi and i and i will write the chris foxway chris foxway it'll be you know tropes everything it'll be completely formulaic if i write military sci-fi and then completely formulaically rapid released as per martha carr so quite keen to do that 
but quite jittery that I might get it done. Now, if I if I just start that and I fail completely and it's quite clearly not going to work for me, then I'll I'll go back to slow track. You know, there's nothing nothing forcing me to to deliver that, but I am quite keen to do it. And it's only for three months initially. Now, if if I was getting on well with that and I found I could write at that pace, then frankly I could keep that up. You know, if I keep that up for a year. We, we could be rapid releasing 12 for goodness sake, which is ridiculous. But, but I, you know, I'm hearing so many people who are having great success in this. This is the kind of things they're doing. And I want to sort of emulate those who are having success. So I am at least keen to give it a try. Even if I fall flat on my butt, I'm, I'm keen to give it a try and just see if there's anything out there worth trying for. So this is what I'm thinking about. And I will, um, you know, I'll commit to that to you when I, when I come back from Spain, I'll let you know what we're doing. The other thing I also want to mention is I, I do really want to watch, write this end of men book. And one of the things I was considering doing um, was actually dictating that. So because I'm stopping doing the interview episodes of the podcast and I'm stopping the crypto news podcast as well, I'm only doing the, the podcast diary, which only takes me a couple of hours on, on a Friday afternoon. I always have that time because it's scheduled for when I finish the writing. So that time's always good and safe time. It effectively means I've got four evenings free. Now, what I suspect I was, what I was originally going to do in 2019 was I was going to keep to the, the writing plan that I'd said to you, which is write a 75,000 word book working just on Thursdays and Fridays. But now this extra time has been freed up. I, I feel like I ought to be writing in that. So the evenings will probably be sort of editing work that I've written because I'm going to have to, it's going to be, if I'm doing rapid release, I'm going to have to write it, edit it, you know, get it proofread and then get it out there. So it's quite a first fast turnaround. Um, but I was originally, when I was going to do my slower track plan, I was going to write a 75,000 word book in this quarter, just one. And I was going to write End of Men over six months and do it via dictation, drawing dictation and use End of Men as a slow book um, to sort of do with dictation. So I don't think I'm too concerned about my ability to keep up this rapid release in the first instance. So I'm going to slip that. I haven't articulated that to you yet, I don't think, but um, I had got it in my own mind, my own plans. I think that it's important while I've got more writing time to really try and up my writing quota during the week. So I'm going to aim for the rapid release. I, I may fail dreadfully, but I'm going to aim for it. And in the evenings, uh, certainly for the first quarter, I'm going to park End of Men, this sort of literary sci-fi book that I've been thinking about. We'll review it at the end of quarter one, and it, uh, uh, because I'll have a better idea of the time scale then. The other thing is, is that when you start rapid release, it's really intense. So you release a book, you do another one in seven days time, then you do another one in 14 days time, and then it's 28 days thereafter. So I, I tend to suspect if I keep this up and it works for me, that in quarter two, um, when I'm only writing one book in quarter, uh, am I right? No, I'm writing one book a month in quarter two, but the release schedule is every 28 days. Um, I suspect that I might then be able to consider doing End of Men by dictation and just doing it very slowly. But I would like to try and get End of Men done by end of 2020. It's a, a kind of a passion project, if you want, but it's not one that's going to earn me money immediately. It needs to be slower. So I am looking at factoring that in over the year. So there you go. I'll confirm that with you when I get back from Spain, because I, I need to think it all through. I have planned it. I, you know, I know it could be done. I've built in wriggle room. I know it could be done. It's just whether I'm going to do it. <laughs> it feels a bit nerve-wracking to me. 
Um, you know that I'm going to promote my trilogies every month on BookBub. So, you know, for the minute I get back from Spain, um, when I when you have a book bub, so don't tell Meg I can't promote until I think it's the end of January, something like that. So I, I can't promote that because you have to give it a break. You have to give it a, a um, it is a six month break, isn't it? Yeah, six month break before you can promote again. So uh, don't tell Meg was done. I think it was August or something and I could promote it. I've got it on my on my planner. Um, I can't find it off, off the top of my head, but I think it's, oh, here it is. Yeah, the 30th of January, I can start to, I can submit Don't Tell Meg to BookBub again. And my, my hope with that is um, I, I have no reason to believe that I would get it through straight away. So hopefully I will get another BookBub on it um, because it's performed well on both occasions. Um, first time I could submit it is, is 30th of January. But basically, if I get another BookBub on Don't Tell Meg, I'm planning on using the income from that to put new covers on the four uh, standalones that I've got, thrillers, and uh, a new cover on So Many Lies, uh, sort of branded kind of covers. So I, I want that to be bootstrapped by a book bub on Don't Tell Meg. So it generally brings in about £5,000 in the month of launch, and I'll use that to get the covers on those five books so I can rapid release them. So the rapid release of the thrillers is going to be determined by if and when I get a book bub on Don't Tell Meg, because that's going to bootstrap that work. So I, uh, I need another uh, I needed another sort of book bub on Don't Tell Meg as soon as possible. Now, the grid... Um, trilogy. I've only just had a book bub on that, so I'm not going to be able to submit the Grid trilogy for some time. So I'm hoping that I get a bite with the Secret Bunker trilogy, so I can bring some income in for the sci-fi's. And if I get a, a book bub on the sci-fi's, my plan is to use that for proofing and covers for the rapid release of the sci-fi. So I could really do with a book bub on. Um, the secret bunker. I really, that's really what I'm looking to, to get a, sec a secret bunker book bub. It'd be the first time I've had a book bub on that. And if it brings in, you know, 2000 quid, it'll, it'll pay for that work. Uh, cause the, the sci-fi doesn't seem to bring in as much as the thrillers do. Um, so, so I'm, that's what I'm looking to bootstrap from those book bubs. So every month throughout this year, the trilogies will be going into book bubs. So don't tell Meg, the grid trilogy and the secret bunker trilogy. And obviously, if I write this um, military sci-fi uh, series, I'm also going to have another trilogy of books, or at least another series of books, um, which I could also start to put to book bubs as well pretty quickly by March. So you can see where I'm going with this. You know, um, i, I got to tell you, having written four standalone thrillers, I, I say write in series. I, write in series. That's all I can say to you is write in series. That's my experience of this. So I wanted to have some standalones because I felt I needed them for marketing and giveaways um, and flexibility. And actually, you know, that's that's true. It's great to have standalones. But it, but but in actual fact, I probably would have been better writing one standalone and another trilogy. That's that's how I feel about it. But because standalones are quite hard to sell, it's it's easier to market series I think now the Martha Carr school of thought the 20 books school of thought is that you you write your first series you write four books rather than three 
So you have four books in that first series. And then you kind of have an arc that can continue much further than that. But their strategy is that, is that you, you, you have a four book uh, arc initially, but that arc can be extended beyond four books. But that, you know, but if it's not really working after four books, you can scratch it and it concludes and you can start something new and try something different and make that work. So, um, the, the first kind of, uh, if I do military sci-fi, which I'm fairly sure I am going to do, um, then I'm going to map out an arc of the first four books. I am going to stick slavishly to what the 20 books people say with this rapid release. I'm just going to stick exactly to it. I'm not going to make new rules. I'm not going to you know reinvent it and do it my way. I'm just going to stick to what they tell us works. I'm going to tread in the footsteps of people who've gone there before and hopefully, touch wood, experience at least some of their success. That's kind of the strategy with that. And if it all goes pear-shaped, that's fine. But, you know, at least I've given it a try. So, um, promoting trilogies every month on BookBub. That's going to be a goal for 2019, relentlessly. You know, so when I get rejected, then it gets diaried for the month after, the month after, the month after, until they let me have one. And I keep going constantly with the with the trilogies. So um, I also want to continue marketing best practice, which, you know, I've been kind of working on over the last six months of 2018. I found that marketing time tremendous. Remember that, you know, part of this marketing time has been setting up and refining my best practice. And so much of this is is based on what I've been learning from 20 books of 50K. So you know that one of the last things I did in 2018 was I wrote um, author notes for the back of the book because Michael Andale's done that since book one. He says it helps to build audience. So I'm going to do exactly what they say. And I've caught up with that now with my, my first 15 books and it will become my kind of best practice activity now. Whenever I write a book, it will have author notes at the end of it. So um, I want all these best practice marketing techniques that I've been catching up with over the last six months, I want to continue. And that's why I was nervous about doing dictation. I've got four evenings a week free now when I don't do the two podcasts, Crypto News Podcast and the Interview Podcast. It's freed up a lot of time for me. Plus, I have blocks of time um, at the weekends as well because I only write, I'm, when I do my writing days, I'm done by about one o'clock, usually one half one. I've usually got my words done, which gives me a load of the day left to work on marketing. So I'm quite keen to make sure that I continue to schedule marketing time rather than leave it to, um, you, you know, haphazardly just leave it to fate. So I just want to actually proactively target marketing time to make sure it gets done. So continue marketing best practice throughout 2019. Now, again, you know that there will be no self-publishing journeys podcast interviews, not unless somebody, you know, starts to sponsor that podcast and and, and there is a payment mechanism for it. But um, I'm not now going to do it because this my schedule has changed. My wife's changed her schedule and it leaves me more time for writing rather than using that time to, to edit and record and set up podcasts. I want to use it for writing. I want to do this rapid release. I want to give it a try now. So it's, it's not, it's never say never with this. You know, if somebody came along and said, we want to, you know, we want to sponsor your podcast, Paul, because you uh, reflect, you know, you talent in the indie author industry. And that's something that we value. Um, you know, you can see it would be a great fit for, for, draft a digital published drive somebody like that be great a great fit but i'm not getting the numbers frankly that i think would attract people anyway to sponsorship so it it would be very much a kind of you know putting money in to develop it i think if that was the case but if there was a payment mechanism for it i would continue those interviews um and so until then or until i'm able to do this full time because i would love to keep those interviews going this is just a you know it's just a business decision 
about what takes my time and what earns me money. And the books are what earn me money. So that's where I'm going to put my focus in 2019. So um, the, the podcast interviews aren't there anymore. There are, though, I, I do want to do some interviews. And, and these um, I want to do, I've got a list of four interviews that I'd like to do um, just based around my um, author work, to be honest with you. So on my board, I've got a list. I'd like to do a, an interview with the people who run the secret bunker and talk to them about the bunker. Uh, I want to do Solent Forts, which is what One Fatal Error is based. I'd like to talk to the people who run there. The gentleman who who runs the island escapes that I base my So Many Lies book on, um, he's happy to do an interview with me too. And then potentially I'd like to talk to somebody around Speen Bridge about some of the, the locations that I've used in my Burden of Guilt book. So those are four interviews that um, I would probably drop in the podcast feed, but actually they're as much for book readers or the really for book readers um, and their interviews I'd like to do so I've got those on the board but I'm not setting a target for those those are general 2019 goals I would like to have them all done by the end of 2019 but I'm not scheduling them for this quarter I think I need to get a measure of this new working routine before I really pack in my goals but that is a it is a 2019 goal and the other thing with the interviews is is that if I you know, meet somebody who's doing something amazing that I want to know about and I also want to share that, then I, I will, in a haphazard way, do interviews still for the podcast. So, for instance, for instance, you know I desperately want to talk to Adam Nichols. He's quite hard to tie down for an interview. If he suddenly says to me, Paul, let's do that interview now, he's sure as heck getting interviewed and I will put it on self-publishing journeys. But it's going to have to be on that basis. So the difference with self-publishing journeys is you will get a Paul's podcast diary every Friday, you know, until or if I say otherwise. Um, and, uh, you know, if things change, but the interviews, you're only going to get when I sort of think, right, I need to do that as an interview. And um, I'm not going to be driven by this. I need to do one every week. And that's going to free up a massive amount of time for me, um, not doing the crypto podcast and not doing the other podcast. Now, just a word on the crypto podcast, because I haven't explained why we're stopping that. When Alison and I agreed to do that, um, we agreed to do it for three months. It was a, it's just a test. It was a test. Uh, podcast from January to March. That's what we originally agreed to do. And we just, you know, because we were having fun and we were enjoying it, we were learning a lot about crypto. We just kept doing it. Um, but, you know, again, it's, it has an audience. It doesn't have a huge audience. It makes a little bit of money. Well, no, does it make it? No, it doesn't really make any money, actually, that podcast. It doesn't, we're doing it for the love of it, really. I have found it in terms of my crypto experience and learning and being able to talk to people about security and tax and things like that. It's been a brilliant thing to do from a personal interest point of view. And I've really enjoyed doing it. Alison and I have had a great laugh. We've, I've certainly enjoyed working with Alison. I don't know whether she'd say the same about me, but we've had, I've really enjoyed it. And Alison's been great to work with. And I've also had the opportunity to, to work with Suki Jutler as well while Alison was away. It's just been great. I've, you know, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, but in terms of the income that it brings in, um, and, and in terms of what makes the money, the writing's what's making the money. If somebody came along and sponsored it, just like the other one, and said, yeah, we'll sponsor that, Paul, we'll pay you for your time in producing it, absolutely fine. And it, I would have a payment mechanism. But in this year, when I'm focusing on rapid release and writing, it has to go. It's just a, a simple business decision. Now, when we started that podcast, I said to Alison, let's do it in seasons. So that if we decide to take a break, or, you know, we do it till March, take a break, we'll just say that's the end of season one and we'll come back to it, you know, if and when we please. And so um, with the crypto podcast, we're, it's officially, we've done it for a year. We're ending on the year anniversary. The last episode is things we've learned about crypto in a year. And we will just say that's the end of season one. 
we may be back. And a good time to be back would be, you know, crypto is a bit of the doldrum for years. When when everybody starts getting excited about it again, which I personally feel that they will, it might be some time, but they will, we could jump back in there and we could do it again. So I'm not turning the tap off entirely. You know, we're not sealing off the pipes. We're just turning the tap off for now. And it's the same with the the podcast interviews. You know, it's not, it doesn't fit in with what I've got planned for this year. Uh, and to be honest with you, again, if you know anything about the way websites work, you know, I've got 130 interviews on selfpublishingjourneys.com now. Uh, those are beautifully keyworded. And those interviews are evergreen. So that that website gets organic traffic. Um, so that website will still work for me. It's still a fantastic resource for writers, even though I'm not adding new interviews to it at any, any kind of regular interval. The other interesting thing is when I took the break from doing the interviews over the summer, so I had a break of about three months, was it this year? Um, it didn't massively affect my figures. I mean, they do go up with interviews. The strategic thing about having interviews is that interviews bring new people to the podcast. So if I, if I have a guest who's very popular and they then mention it on their Twitter channel, that brings new audience in for the podcast. So that's why interviews are good for a podcast. Whereas my diary is just me talking to you like this. And if you found it already, that's great, but it's very difficult for me then to get that out and find new audience. But again, I have to say, that people see this is kind of what you want in business that the diary um spreads really well by word of mouth people i keep seeing people in um you know mark dawson's it's happened a couple of times now uh where people who i don't even know have said oh if you're at the beginning of your career you need to be listening to paul paul teague's um podcast and you know i'm seeing this more and more now um people recommending the diary so that's kind of what you want isn't it word of mouth but um it's it's slower growth when it's it's word of mouth i think um you know and that's kind of just the way it is um so no uh, di- uh, no podcast interviews, unless there's somebody I particularly want to speak to. But Paul's podcast diary does continue um, at the moment. I intend to continue it throughout 2019. I, again, I'll, I'll let you know if that changes. The other thing that's changing in 2019 is Patreon. Um, because I'm turning this into, I, I call it a hobby podcast, you know, but, but by hobby podcast, I mean, it doesn't have to make money. And so therefore it has to fit into my schedule. So it, it's turning into a hobby podcast, but it won't be hobby because you will get a podcast diary every week. It won't be haphazard. I won't just turn up when I feel like it. You will get a podcast diary every week until I say sort of otherwise, you know, until I say I'm changing it. So, um, it'll still be on that professional basis. You'll turn your phone on on a Saturday morning and the podcast diary will be there. However, I want to also, I tried Patreon for the last sort of three months, the last quarter. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful. I've had a, we've got, we have built Patreon. It's at a good level now. It pays for the costs of, of producing this podcast. So that, that's fantastic. Um, you know, it pays for itself, uh, not my time, but it pays for the, the costs that I have with it the web hosting and the Libsyn hosting costs. So that, that's fantastic. And the other thing I found out accidentally about Patreon is it's actually a lovely way of creating a community. So I'm chatting to people in Patreon. Um, I, it really suits me better than, say, a Facebook group does. So uh, Patreon I like, and I'm going to leave open, but, but... I'm going to leave Patreon free. It's going to be open to everybody. Um, and, and that's where I will put kind of, if I do a, if I mentioned something on this diary, and so I've, I've shot a little video about that. It's, it'll be on Patreon. Then that's where I'm going to put it. And I'm going to keep the tiers for support, but quite cheekily, I guess, um, I'm not going to offer anything extra. You know, there's going to be no extra audio every month. Uh, I'm not going to promise to put anything in there on Patreon. I'm simply going to say, 
Um, if you want to support the podcast, if you value it, if you want to, you know, ensure that it continues, then I would very much appreciate your Patreon sponsorship. But when you sponsor me on Patreon, the deal now is, is that you're just supporting what you get. You're supporting the podcast as it is. I'm not going to provide any extra value for, for, for patrons. Uh, Patreons. I never know what to say. Okay. It's just your, you, when you support me through Patreon, you're supporting what you get every week. Um, th- there's no sort of extra stuff there. Now, um, th- the reason for that is because I'm focusing entirely on the writing. Okay. So hopefully you feel that, um, by me doing the writing and doing rapid release and me sharing everything with you, you know, hopefully that is kind of benefit enough, me sharing, um, the information that I've got, um, and letting you know what's working for me and what's not working for me. But what I would say to you is if you are a patron and you kind of, you know, you signed up thinking, right, well, I'm going to get some extra videos here, some exclusive content. If you want to leave now, that's absolutely fine by me. You know, no, you won't, I won't be there sort of moaning about it or anything like that. This is the time to leave. Um, uh, if you, if you, you know, where you came to Pat- Patreon because I was doing extra videos, you were getting exclusive interview audio and things like that, because that's stopping in the new year. The other thing is it suits my values more. Um, I, I, again, you've got to try stuff, haven't you? But I've been doing these extra interviews with guests and, and making them, uh, patron only. And it, that doesn't sort of really align with my values of this is that really, um, I, I want to do this just to share what's going on. I don't like putting stuff behind a paywall. Um, I just want everybody to get the benefit of it, really. You know, I'm happy to share what I know. I'm happy to share where I am. Um, you know, as honestly, uh, as I can, you know, giving you as much information as I can. Uh, I know that a lot of people value it and that's kind of the deal on Patreon now. Um, there's going to be no extras, you know, no, no special self-publishing journeys, hats, you know, or desk ornaments or whatever. Um, it's just what you see is what you get. And if you enjoy the podcast and you get value from it and, you know, you want to support its future, I would be very happy uh, to see you in Patreon, and, and I'd be very happy whatever level that you're able to sponsor the podcast at. As I say, it does pay for the costs, uh, uh, and it's doing that quite quite nicely at the moment. It's great. I'm actually covering my costs on the podcast, so I'm very grateful for that, and I really appreciate it. But now is the time to walk away, and I, and, you know, honestly, there'll be no ill feeling whatsoever. But if you came for the extras and the bonus bits and things like that, I'm not doing those in 2019. So it is as as you hear it, as you see it. And um, now's the time to cancel if you, you know, if if that's a changing deal for you that you don't want to support. And I'm completely easy with that. Help yourself to everything that, that goes into Patreon for free. But but I just, it just aligns with my values more with this. I just want everybody to, I just want to share it with everybody. I want it to be free. I don't want it to be behind a paywall. I'm happier kind of making um, extra money if I do make extra money. It's not very much, but I'm happier making it through sort of affiliate endorsements and things like that, you know, by recommending things that I use in my own business and then maybe taking a part of the um, the fee for that if you go on to buy it and follow my recommendations. That, that just sits better, I think, with this podcast. Okay, so um, that's my overall aims for 2019. In next week's diary episode... Um, I'm record, uh, it will be pre-recorded, even though I'll be back from Spain, but I'll only just be back from Spain. And to make sure you get an episode, you're going to get in next week's episode, my, the detail of my quarter one goals. So I'm going to burrow in and tell you what is actually going to happen, what I will do between January and March of 2019. So here, here you've had the overview, what I want to achieve by the kind of end of the year. 
So that'll be next Saturday. Um, the last self-publishing journeys interview um, is coming up on Monday, and that's going to be with Jeremy Thompson, who is the managing director of Troubadour Publishing and the Book Guild. Now, um, interestingly, I just saw a post about it recently. Um, Troubadour run Matador. I know this gets confusing. Matador is their self-publishing wig. And I've spoken to many authors on this podcast. Um, I'm just trying to think. Lindsay Drew Honey uses um, Matador. So does Annie Weir. Um, I've spoken to several authors who who use Matador and have come back and they love them. And interestingly, um, Matador have just been kind of ranked as the the highest, I think, sort of, you know, provider of self-publishing services um, on on some sort of authoritative survey, uh, which is why I'm so happy to talk to them on this podcast. So I'm talking to Jeremy about what what sort of Troubadour Matador do and the services they provide to self-published authors. But also they run a rather good and highly recommended uh, self-publishing conference. Now, this is taking place, the seventh one is taking place in Leicester in April 2019. So I thought that was a great opportunity to get Jeremy on, A, to talk about the business, B, to preview the self-publishing conference in Leicester in April. If you're in the UK and you're a self-publisher, it's a really good event to attend. Now, I've been before. I don't know whether I'll get there this year because Leicester's just really awkward from where I am. But uh, we'll, we'll see where we're up to in, in, in April. Uh, but I, I certainly would want to attend it if I could. Um, it's not Matador trying to flog you their services. It's a genuine self-publishing conference um, and Matador just happened to be there. So if you want to find out more about their services, you can, but there's absolutely no way that they sort of ram them down your throat. It is first and foremost a self-publishing conference and one which I would be happy to attend. It's just that Leicester is not easy from here you know it's not an easy train journey it's at a weekend it's just you know it's just not easy so I, I if I go I'll leave it later rather than earlier with that decision so that will be coming up on episode number 135 of the self-publishing journeys podcast on Monday the 7th of January and it will be the last scheduled interview episode for now thereafter they're kind of as and when um, no, no schedule after that just kind of as and when I feel like it or I meet somebody that I simply must interview So when we get back from Spain, I will be writing again and I will confirm the kind of goals I've alluded to in this diary, but I will have another kind of pre-recorded diary update for you next Saturday. I'll be running you through those quarter one goals for 2019, but in the meantime, have a great new year. Enjoy your kind of new year celebrations if they're continuing and I'll speak to you next Saturday. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.